They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello there, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is a Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me this evening, I've got Dan Kingdom, President of, of uh, Somerset CCC, Sir Peter Wanless, the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson, and journalist and live stream broadcaster Harry Everett, who for two consecutive weeks is joining me here live in the Roloff and the Merva Pavilion. And it's time, gents. It's that time of year. It's the Golden Apples. Now, should we just do a little bit of housekeeping of a, a few bits and bobs that have gone on at Somerset this week? Um, signings have been announced. Shah Bashir has been given a uh, a full contract. He, uh, I think that one expires in 2024. Uh, young Ospinner has done very well in the second 11. Uh, have you seen a bit of him, Harry? Dan, I think you said last week, Harry, that he's quite highly thought of. And it's yeah. not a surprise that he has... Uh, he has joined the full-time playing staff. Yeah, they kept that announcement fairly well under wraps, actually. Um, not quite like you know some of the other announcements that people have known about for a while. But, um, yeah, it's quite massive fingers, really good for off-spin. Mm. Steve Davies said, I think I mentioned on the last pod, I reckon he's one of the best young spinners he's ever seen. And I guess Don Best was the last offie Somerset had, different to the left-armers. And it's probably good to have that other option with the, the left-armers of Van der Merwe and Jack Leach taking it away from the right-hander. It's probably good to have an offie in the side to take it away from the left-hander and yeah he's exciting talent done well in you know, for National Counties cricket and um, yeah he was born on the square at lunchtime in the uh, Northampton game in September and yeah he was. I watched him bowl for a good 10 minutes or so and yeah he looked a real exciting prospect and uh, another youngster who's uh, put pen to paper is Alfie Ogborn who uh, had a really really good uh, Royal London One Day Cup uh, impressed a lot of people uh, and again he's signed on a, on a two year deal I think till 2024 so Signs looking good. Gibbo, so you were slightly worried about our ageing bowling attack, so we signed a couple of couple of young uns. Yeah, we could do with one or two one or two more sort of in the middle. See what I mean? We got Craig who's who's absolutely in his prime. But um, one or two of the others, you know, are getting on a bit. And the and the young lads are still pretty young. But um yeah, he he looked to have a, a very good temperament, uh, Alfie Ogborn. And um yeah, he, I think he's he's a, a very good very good prospect alongside Sonny Baker and um, Casey Aldridge of course and in, indeed Ned Leonard oh Ned Leonard he's fit again yeah let's hope Ned's uh, just in time for the season yeah. yeah just in time for the season uh, and the only other thing I suppose George Thomas is uh, is playing in some sort of Pakistan under 19 league and he was uh, he was smashing it about today that he got a 50 you've been watching that at all Dan no uh, it's on YouTube if anyone does want to watch it but um no, not really had a chance. He's had two 50s in three matches so far, so really good start. He was player of the match in the opening game of the tournament. Um, so, yeah, really encouraging. He's just gone over there and slotted in seamlessly. Yeah, he looked pretty good in the Royal London last year. It was uh, disappointing this year that he uh, wasn't able to take the field due to injury. Uh, have we got anything else to uh, catch up on in the last week's Somerset news? I think you owe our president an apology, don't you? Me? What have I done? Yeah. Well, you accused him of being tired and emotional <laughs> <laughs> on the morning after the end of season dinner. Well, I was just tired. Poor chap was just tired. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. Sorry, I was. Uh, I, I I do apologise, Pete. You you did look very very tired at breakfast the next morning, as, as did I. But uh, yeah, yeah, it had been a long week. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, Lord knows what state we'd have both in if we uh, succumbed to Mambo. So uh, that was uh, that was a bullet dodge. Right, shall we crack on with the business at hand? The 2022 Golden Apples. Um, I think we'll keep them in the same order as last year. And we'll start off with the Royal London Player of the Year. And we'll go to you first, Dan. Oh, I was hoping not to be first on Royal London. Because <laughs> that's the one which there isn't really a clear candidate at all is there like every a few of the guys had you know one or two good innings a few of the guys have one or two good bowling performances but i think just through the sheer weight of that incredible 157 against durham it probably is, <laughs> to be honest um who 
you know, he, he actually missed a few games as well, didn't he? But that innings was just so much better than anyone else. Than it, than um, so it, it kind of has to be has to be him, I think. Um, it was just absolutely spectacular. Um, it's just a shame it was in a losing cause. Um, it was one of the best innings I've ever seen, out out of absolutely nowhere from a completely hopeless situation. So, I think it, it's obviously a reflection of how poor our campaign was that one innings get has got him that award from me. But um, yeah, I think it has to be Ben Green. Yep. Any advance on that, Gibbo? Well, no, I agree with uh, I agree with Dan. I think honourable mentions though to um, uh, Lewis Goldsworthy and James Rue, who both made maiden centuries in the Royal London One Day Cup, and both contributed very significantly to our one win up at Edgbaston against against Warwickshire. But you can't really look much beyond our glorious leader uh, Ben Green. I was looking up the stats of that of that innings, and I think the re- most remarkable stat is that he and Alfie Ogborne added 97 in eight and a half overs of which Alfie contributed three <laughs> a good three though he'll be telling it his was, grandkids about that three in a few years time a good three into the last but actually shot. that showed what a good head he'd got on his shoulders Alfie, Alfie Ogborne the, the fact that he was able to to give his skip of the strike and and they turned the match on his head those two yep can't really uh, disagree with that. Uh, Peter, what have you gone for, for your Royal London? Uh, yeah, I've got no- no- nothing much to add. I thought about um, Lewis Goldsworthy just to sort of spread the prizes uh, around a bit, but I would agree with Dan and Anthony. I think um, we'd better give it to Ben Green. And Harry... Is this a clean sweep for? Uh, yeah, this is a bit dull for, for a greener. podcast, isn't it? If we all agree, we want to all disagree a bit over something, don't we? But like Dan and Give, we've all summed it up. Really, there's not much else to say. Goldsworthy and Rue, you say honourable mentions, did well at Edgebaston, and that innings for Ben Green is well. We we'll probably have to mention it for Champagne moment as well. It's one of the best knocks I can ever remember seeing. And I actually exchanged a few texts with Alfie Ogborn congratulating him on his contract signing and having a bit of a laugh with him. And he said it was entirely Ben's fault he played that stupid scoop shot he reckon Green told him to have a go trying it at four so I thought that was quite interesting because really they should have won the game and had they won from the position they got to you know if Green uh, you know, had, had balls to spare at the end if he had got 180 not out and, was it 10 off the last over they needed yeah and then, you know he was whacking it comfortably over the boundary so really you know if if he had won he would have probably won the the big award over Van der Merwe last week at the in the Clonaxon Pavilion but no yeah Ben Green out of a pretty poor dis- display in the whole campaign. You've got to give it to him. Yeah, uh, Ben Warren can't be with us uh, uh, today. If you follow his uh, Facebook or Instagram, he's uh, on a tour of some of the most uh, beautiful parts of Norway that I've ever seen, which is slightly contrasted to the Instagram stuff coming from the other Somerset players who are down in uh, Mykonos at the moment, <laughs> I think. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, but Ben has sent me his nominations through email, and uh, he goes uh, Ben Green for that 150 uh, alone. Uh, myself, yeah, I had a look uh, early today. Uh, Casey Aldridge, 13 wickets, uh, an economy of, uh, of 6.05. James Rue, 307 runs, uh, 38 with a high score of 114. But yeah, just for, just for that innings alone, I think we've got to give it as a, as a clean sweep uh, to Somerset's Royal London one-day captain and purveyor of the finest moustache south of the River Severn. Uh, it's a clean sweep for Ben Green. I said that like people are going to start applauding there, but I realise there's no audience. <laughs> right. Is there any point in doing the Royal London Performance of the Year Award? Shall we all say what our second best performance was before the award inevitably goes to Ben Green for his 157 uh, of 84 balls against Durham? Or am I being presumptuous? No, you're right. Gibbo? Um, other than no, it's obviously yeah. obviously the 157. Uh, second, second best. I, again, I give it equally to to Lewis yeah. Goldsworthy and uh, and James Rue for their for their maiden centuries. Here, here, I agree, with Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, nothing to add. Yeah, uh, the one the only other one I was thinking of was uh, Sonny Baker. You took six for forty six yeah. in that match against Durham that was slightly overshadowed uh, by Ben Green's performance a bit later on in the day. Yeah, you do forget about that actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I think a young lad. He took an absolute mauling in the game before against uh, against Notts. Then he didn't play in the away game at uh, Bristol. At Bristol, and then yeah, he came back for uh, for that game against Watch the Bowl really well. But um, 
Any any objections to it not being Ben Green for his un- magnificent 157? Yeah. Happy days. Right. So, so far, so good then for Ben Green. Skipping two out of two. Moving on then to the Young Player of the Year. This is across all formats. And uh, Peter, who have you gone for? And who are your yeah, mentions as well? <laughs> I have a feeling that we'll, uh, there may well be a good degree of agreement here as well because uh, James Rue sort of burst uh, onto the scene in, in, in the middle of the season and he looked right at home straight away and uh, batted with great composure, um, scored his uh, maiden centuries, um, took on the wicket-keeping gloves uh, from, from uh, time to time as well. I mean, he looks... A, got immediately picked for uh, England Lions. Um, he really looks the the real deal and uh, extremely exciting prospect. Um, old head on young shoulders to um, rubble out the cliches. And so, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, head and shoulders above a lot of uh, young players who've kind of had the opportunity to break through um, this season. But he played with such composure that he, he really didn't look like a young player. He had great confidence, you know. Even even that game when he came out and opened the opened the innings for us, uh, I think uh, he shows he's going to be able to take mm-hmm. great responsibility. And um, yeah, great prospect. Uh, Harry, anything else to add on uh, on young player of the year? No, it's it's got to be James Rue. Yeah, the the innings up at Southport playing with goals. Well, they could see those two youngsters do quite well together. Kate Shoulderji could mention his. Wickets at Kent, but they're a little bit expensive, and he did bowl some poor balls in amongst them. Um, you know, Casey's done well this year, and good to see him coming through. But I think we'll see even better from him in future. I think, yeah, James Rue's sort of shoulders above the rest. Just an honourable mention to Goldsworthy and Aldridge. Yeah, uh, Ben has gone. Uh, ben says uh, James Rue is the obvious choice and a deserving winner. But I'm going to go slightly different and say Alfie Ogborn. Uh, ben was really impressed with his attitude and how he went about the Royal London Cup. Uh, it says he has something about him. So Ben has gone for Alfie Ogborn. Um, I'm going to go for James Rue as well. Um, as Ben said, obviously honourable mention for Alfie Ogborn. I think he impressed everybody in that Royal London One Day Cup and certainly got a bright future. Uh, did look at Casey as well. 24 wickets in the Championship at 30. 13 in the Royal London at uh, just over 29 as well. Um bit annoying that there wasn't a bit more competition from well not well, competition but Sonny Baker didn't really play uh, as much as I think we'd have we'd have liked him to sort of coming back from injury and obviously old Ned Leonard being out for most of the season as well would have been nice to see what uh, uh, how he progressed in uh, in 2022 but yeah uh, I'm going to stick Rue in my box as well James Rue uh, young player of the year and uh, Dan yeah I, I will go with James Rue as well um, for yeah, similar reasons to what we've already said. I think Casey Aldridge is worth a mention. Um, he's made good strides this year, um, particularly in the county championship. I mean, he, I think he tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season, but that he got a four-wicket haul against Surrey, didn't he, to sort mm-hmm. of keep us in the game on that last day. Um, that was sort of, you know, that was when he announced himself, I suppose, um, as a sort of a first-team contender. Um, and Lewis Goldsworth as well. He's only 21, so I'm assuming he still qualifies. Um he he made strides in Red Bull cricket. Obviously, that century at Southport on day one, and I think he scored runs in the second innings as well, didn't mm-hmm. he? So yeah, out. You know, they were vital knocks. Um, so yeah, I've been really impressed with goals over this year, and he's solidified his place in the side um, in the county championship, particularly after that ninety against Kent as well at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's it for me. Gibbo, do you concur? Clean sweep. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that worries me slightly is is his wicket keeping. That's not to say he's not a good wicket keeper. He put a couple of catches down at down at uh, Kent. Oh, I think we've lost the line to Portugal. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh no, you're mm-hmm. back. It's fine. Yeah, I just say I think it might be asking too much uh, of him at his age to be keeping wicket and being you know in a, a top six batsman. Um, I don't know. It, it, it may be that he's very, very happy uh, with that, but I just think it's you know it's something that we we ought to be thinking about, especially as a lot of people are suggesting he could open the innings. 
But I do think that opening the innings and keeping wicket would be too much yeah, for what would it be nineteen uh, next season. But I think you know we need to we need to be thinking how we can get the best out of James Rue, who is obviously a hugely talented young cricketer. Yeah, I think as well. Even if his stats hadn't been quite as good, even if he hadn't got a hundred uh, down at uh, down at Chelmsford, even if he hadn't got that hundred in the Royal London Wonder Cup, I think. The way he goes about his batting, you can just tell that there's something special about this guy. And, you know, I think even if his stats hadn't been quite as good, he still would have been massively in contention for this award because just, you know, a lot of good, better judges than us have said that they think he's uh, one to watch for the future. And he's uh, certainly a very, very exciting talent. So, uh, congratulations. One of the games, there's one game, was it towards the end of the season? Was it the Northants one where um, he was getting a little bit of stick on. Um, social media for um, scoring slowly and not being able to get the ball off the square and this kind of thing and I just kind of felt that uh, what what we would have done earlier on in the season for someone who could just stay there and have the patience not to um, uh, worry uh, about that uh, and that, again just another sort of illustration I think of his um, old before his time really. Yeah watching that as well the, the impressive thing was he was he was scoring really slowly, but he didn't look frustrated. No, he didn't. He wasn't. He needs, to, the, he needs yeah. to learn to rotate the strike a bit better, though. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. you know, it needs to watch watch some videos of James Hildreth you know, play, playing along long innings and see how Hildy was so adept at at, um, at rotating the strike, particularly if you've got left hand right hand combination up at up at Southport. Poor old James Rue got bogged down. At the end, to which Jack Morley was was bowling into the bowler's footmarks, and he had an absolute nightmare in in, in the second innings. And I kept saying, for "Heaven's sake, get Goldsworthy up the other end." <laughs> but the pair of them aren't that good yet at rotating yeah. the strike. It's something that, that that they will learn, and when they do, they'll both be complete batsmen. Yeah, that's a little nuance, a little skill you can you can learn later on. It's not necessarily a a fundamental that he's lacking at the moment and he really looks like he's got all those fundamentals in place to go on and have a really really successful career for Somerset so congratulations then to James Rue the young player of the year 2022 okie dokie then moving on we are now coming up to the Vitality Blast player of the year this is probably going to be another open and shut case but uh, (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll plod on through so uh, Harry who have you gone for for Blast player of the year and why is it Riley Russo (laughs) Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. What a bloke! What a lovely chap! And good to see him get a hundred against India the other day. South African recognition. I don't know how on earth he's not in the South African ODI side. Um, ridiculous, really. But um, we, we've got to be honest. We're all a little bit underwhelmed when you've gone from Chris Gale, Barbara Zam to Riley Rousseau. Some of us more than others. Not mention any names, but we'll come, we'll come on to that later. No, he's phenomenal. I mean, I think the you know the champagne moment. We can talk about that Derbyshire quarterfinal was absolutely phenomenal. We talk about you know that Van der Merwe knock at Bristol, but Riley Rousseau was just—it's just incredible the way he could just hit a six from from ball one. And I mean, yes, we talk about Taunton being the highest T20 scoring ground in the world. Yes, it's flat. Yes, it's small boundaries, but they're still doing it off quality, quality bowlers in the blast, and he did it again and again and again. Yeah, those numbers. Just uh, to recap you on those: six hundred and twenty-three runs in the blast at forty-seven point nine two. Striking at 192.28, so an incredible amount of runs, got them incredibly quickly. Uh, best of 93, 750s in 16 innings in T20 cricket is almost unheard of in uh, uh, throughout a tournament. Um, just absolutely incredible, yeah. He, he's mine as well. Have we got any other honourable mentions? He fielded well as well, we should say, not just his batting. Some of those catches he took, I, catches. I don't know, without looking at the stats, I bet he took the most yep. catches in the T20 blast. Um, so many up above his head, one-handed or jumping or running and diving in. Good fielder. I had a slight niggle with um, Riley Rousseau that um, uh, it took God, what must have been five and a half hours to get from Kent down to Cardiff um, uh, to arrive in the pouring rain and to kind of sit there thinking we weren't going to get any match at all. And then we had this kind of seven-over thrash. Oh, yeah. and, Riley Russo came straight out, and I think he, his first ball uh, in the air and was was caught. And I thought that was an awful long way to travel um, to see him get out first ball when I'd missed up to that point some of the fireworks that he had been um, 
uh, letting off in, in, in Taunton. But uh, I think I can probably probably forgive him for what he achieved the uh, rest of the season. Well, that was a Cardiff yeah, game where Abel dropped himself down the order, didn't he? And he still ended up top scoring. Seven over thrash, everyone else got yeah. out and Abel had to come in at, down the order and still top score. Yeah, he batted really well that day, Tom Abel. Was that the day the cows were on the M5? They got their legs. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. We had goats. In my own defense, before you start, <laughs> we, Anthony, we're going to come to that <laughs> later. Get back. Don't come off your long run. Don't come off your long. We're going to get to that later, Anthony. Hit, hit. And, well, I'll just but, say in the in the semi final, he hit it up, up in the air, and and you know it that was a really big blow to. And you know, I go back to what Steve Steve James said about him. You know, he does hit it in the air, and if he, you know, if they land safe or if they go go for six, it's fine. But you know, there is quite a big risk factor there. Oh, but yeah, fantastic performance. T Twenty cricket, it's all about risk. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple of other mentions just just on mine. Peter Siddle, seventeen wickets at, at seventeen, going at uh, eight point four and over. Ben Green as well, who of course won the uh, club's white ball player of the year. Um, 148 runs, striking at 143. Uh, and the leading wicket taker as well, 21 wickets at 21, uh, economy rate of 9. And uh, Roloff as well, 9 wickets at 35, going at only 7.73 uh, runs per over as well. Um, but yeah, for me, it's got to be it's got to be Riley for that. Um, just the best season that I think the Somerset player's ever had in a, in a T20 campaign. Dan, any... Uh, Anything more to add before I write down Riley yeah. Russo next to your name? I'm going to surprise you and say that Riley Russo is my player of the blast. Um, it's great to see. It's been a step on his journey back to the South Africa side. You know, there were signs that he was sort of finding another level before he joined Somerset. You know, he had a century in the Pakistan Super League. Um, but I think his time with us sort of really propelled him back, back into the spotlight again. Um, and he's, you know, done well. You know, he's gone straight back into the South Africa side since and um, just scored a century against India. And who knows now with the World T20 coming up, um, you know, the pitches in Australia might suit him. Um, so it's exciting times for him. And I hope hopefully we uh, can get back next year. It'll be interesting to see because we've got Kola Cadmore joining as well. So, well, you know, he did like a tweet back. saying, are we going to see you again next year? So that that is for me is that's legally binding. <laughs> yeah, that might as well be a contract written in blood. That That's it. He's definitely coming back. If he's available, I'm sure we're going to look to get him again. But he might have to go down to number five, and which would be mad. Which is more his position no. historically. He's been more of a five. But I mean, the, you know, if we if he is at five, like what depth we'll have? Get a left hander in amongst the other four right handers. I reckon keep him at three. Kola Campbell will have to accept yeah, five. Then he'll take four or five. Yeah, or able five even. Well, we've got a clean sweep. Ben's, uh, ben Warren's gone for Riley Russo as well. Just says, got to go down as one of the all-time great T20 season and best signings in Blast history. So, congratulations to Riley Russo. A clean sweep for Vitality Blast Player of the Year 2022. Now, the Vitality Blast Performance of the Year. Dan, should we go straight back to you for this one? Uh, yeah, unsurprisingly... I've also gone with Bradley Russo for his 93 off 36 deliveries against Derbyshire uh, in the quarterfinal. Because um, if I recall correctly, the first 10 overs of that innings, they were not spectacular. We were in a reasonable position after 10 overs, but it was that second half yeah, of the innings. Yeah, Banter got 70 off 40. Uh, Smee got 18 yeah. off 18. Yeah, Smee struggled, Russo was kind of ticking along in there as well. But yeah, that the last 10 yeah. overs of that innings, they it was just bananas. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but Derbyshire were Derbyshire were rubbish. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it was, <laughs> that was an appalling performance. I think Roland van der Merve's innings up at yeah. Bristol is a much much more worthy contender for Vitality Blast performance. He won that game against all the odds. Did Roland van der Merve? It was a fantastic uh, innings, and uh, yeah, he's he's a great character. And, and for me, that was head and shoulders performance of the of the vitality blast yeah i'm with anthony on that one i i put down van der Merwe's not i spoke to him afterwards and said is it better than your knock against surrey with dean Elgon? he said no but it's up there you know it, josh davy stayed with him well but to win it in the west country derby obviously helps as well but we were almost dead and buried really and we pulled, were. It off, pulled it out the bag 
Um, my, my my brother, who was at that match at Bristol, insisted that I voted for uh, Roloff's innings in this particular category at minimum. So I guess I'll go that way. The, the, the other moment that in um, the blast that I really enjoyed, um, uh, just because it was a game I was at, was the, the game at Lords where we didn't particularly look like we were going to win. Yeah. We were quite a way behind uh, yeah. and <coughs> Craig came in and smacked a couple of balls for six. Six, and, six out and, and, and Josh Davies. And, yeah. yeah. And, turn the, and turn the game and um, Gordon Hollins and I were in the um, committee room and couldn't contain our excitement and probably behaved much more inappropriately <laughs> than I behaved at the um, Players Awards <laughs> dinner uh, uh, last week and uh, were sort of asked to kind of calm down a little bit. Um, oh that dear. Was very, that was very exciting. I hope you told him where to go. <laughs> Didn't he run out? Didn't he like bound out to the crease, Craig, that game? Like almost sprinted out to bat. It was like watching Colts cricket, wasn't it? He yeah. Kind of, like, he was, he was, like, waiting for, it was almost like he'd be waiting for anything. What, what are you boys doing? Yeah. Just, just crabbing it around here. And then he went bang, bang. And then I think that he's, out, he, he hit one straight up in the air, didn't he? He was caught. But it went about yeah. 300 metres up in the air. Uh, Josh Davey got nine off three won the game, game yeah. to win the game as well so yeah so that that's on my shortlist as well um, also for me for Craig I've got his four for 25 against Surrey which pretty much killed their run chase out of the blocks uh, he got uh, Will Jacks Jamie Smith and uh, Sam Curran in the first couple of overs they were three for 11 off two um, that was just some of the best new ball T20 bowling I, I think I've ever seen uh, yeah any Riley 50 uh, favourites obviously got to be the 93 off 36 um, not forget Ben Green as well um, best figures of the campaign 5 for 29 against Glamorgan I know your catchphrase is it's only Glamorgan Gibbo so he does well against Glamorgan Greener always seems to oh, he bowled really well yeah. actually yeah. Because, yeah. because Glamorgan Glamorgan started off you know like they were like they were I can't remember what was it 8 overs something like that the game was reduced to and they, and they looked as if they, you know, they were going to run away no, with this, it. This is a, Green pulled it back. Yeah, that was a five twenty on at home. Um, but yeah, got to go for roll off against Gloucester. Don't forget as well, he bowled two overs uh, and only went for fourteen in that shortened game as well. Uh, yeah, which was uh, fantastic. But that forty eight not out of fifteen balls. Roll off under Merver, the man in whose pavilion we are currently sat, uh, scoops the golden apple for last performance of the year congratulations Roloff and uh, best of luck with the uh, the Dutch in the uh, T20 World Cup uh, which starts in a couple of weeks no it starts Sunday doesn't it yeah the, yeah. Yeah. the early stages yeah should we have a little break from the awards and have a talk about the Matt Wade incident yesterday did you all see oh, it that's a shocker mm. no I didn't see him Oh, he almost rugby tackled him, handed him off. Yeah, so Wade's uh, Mark Woods bowling. Wade's kind of top edge went into his grill, and it's kind of gone straight up by the crease. Woods ran down to catch it, and uh, what you see on the replay is Wade's outstretched arm stopping him uh, from uh, stopping Mark Wood from getting to the ball. Um, and then Josh Butler doesn't appeal for obstructing the field. I think uh, tactically, so on the basis that he really did want the Aussies to give him a load of shit about it for the next six or seven weeks however, however long they're in Australia for this tournament for um, been the moral high ground I think he did. Yeah. I think in a tournament game you, you appeal and that's out the umpire you see the umpire walked up to him and said do you want to yeah. appeal and you can see him yeah. Alvin no he, he, said, he also said that he looked up in the air looked up at the yeah, couch and wasn't watching that, that. He could have spoken to his mates at cover and square leg and asked them, but I think yeah, he's almost done the moral high ground. We've beaten you even with Wade cheating. Mm-hmm. I think so. the Deep Tishama Mancad was still fresh in a lot of his memory as well because I think he, he he was asked a few questions about that because obviously he's captain of England going into a a big tournament and he's had it done to him him as well. So I just wonder if that was in the back of my. But if it's it, you just the two were a bit different because you kind of appeal to the umpire to say did this player deliberately obstruct the field did you see it uh, Dan Pete what did you make of it Dan do you want to well let us I just thoughts? wish I just wish players would just appeal for things and not worry about what people might think of it at the end of the day just appeal and see what the umpires think and if it's out it's it's out and if there's something wrong they won't give it if people want to get angry at you appealing for something then that's their problem I mean, Joss is well within his rights not to appeal. He doesn't have to appeal. I'm not angry at him for not appealing. But I just wish that cricketers in general wouldn't 
moralize about certain dismissals. <laughs> just play within the laws of the game. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about the spirit of the game. You know, just, just play the game. Appeal for things if you want to. If you think it might be helped. Don't worry about appealing and think, oh no, people might get angry at me for this. It's just ridiculous. So do you think the fact that it hit him in hit him on the grill had something to do with it? I no, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I, don't think so. I think no. it was pretty clearly out. If, if oh yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying he, it, but whether whether it affected the fact that he'd been hit on the helmet or at the grill of the helmet affected Josh Butler's decision not to appeal. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, the reason he gave was so. he didn't want to get a load of shit off the Aussie yeah. for the next month or so, yeah. which is fair enough. It, I it played, he may have played it in a very pragmatic way, and uh, it's too polite, isn't it, Josh? Yeah, taking the path of least resistance, but yeah. All this mancad nonsense would be stopped if, if batters just stayed in their crease until the bowler let go of the ball. And it, it's a similar thing with this. Just give it to the yeah, but, the, but that's, that doesn't allow for bowlers who are trying it on, who are trying to trick the batsman into thinking that they've bowled the ball or are about to bowl the ball and then don't bowl it. That's deception. And I thought there was, a, there was an element of that in the, in the recent uh, mancad in, in the women's game. And, you know, it's, it's, not, clear, it's not clear cut. Because, because bowlers will try it on. Well, bowlers aren't allowed to go through the entirety of their action and then... Exactly, but but where do you decide where the entirety of the action occurs? Yeah, I think 12 o'clock. Once the, once the bowling arm's yeah. at 12 o'clock, that's it, you can leave. Because there, there was a run out of um, Finch in that game. He was run out by a frame. One frame, Butler takes the bails off. The next frame, he's in, diving full length. So that's... That's the margins of what you're looking to um, to gain by leaving your, your crease earlier. Um, with internationals, you know, T20 internationals especially being decided by you know a handful of runs on on many occasions, just sneaking that extra advantage is uh, I, I think it's unfair. And I think yeah, but again, it's not difficult if you're non-striking. You've only got one thing to worry about, and that's watching the bowler let go of the ball. So as soon as you see something red or something white fly out of the bowler's hand. I mean, if they let go of an apple and then run you out with a ball, that's, that's yeah, okay. That's that's gamesmanship. But um, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I always just watch the bowler. Yeah, he's let go of the ball. I can walk now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It bats just wait to see the ball leave the hand, and then they can go. They shouldn't assume yeah. that it's left the hand if they want to be completely safe and if they want to be, you know, secure. Right. Yeah. Anything more on mancads and obstructing the field? Shall I get Tom Smith out and see what he's got to say? Or shall we crack on to the brain fade of the year? An, an award which I'm sure Anthony will be glad to pass off to, to somebody else this year. <laughs> uh, Pete, who've, uh, Pete, who have you gone for, for for brain fade of the year? Uh, well, I, I, I wasn't there myself uh, on the day. But um, if social media is to be believed, um, the club running out of cider on its cider fair festival day yeah um, is a bit silly i think that tweet might have come from somebody who's uh, in the in this room so yeah uh so if if that happened then um i guess i should take responsibility <laughs> you should have your so own are you nominating your, yourself pete pete should have walked around the well, corner I, 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 I wouldn't want to nominate any unfortunate uh and brilliant member of the somerset um, staff, uh, and I wouldn't know who to blame anyway. So, in a rather kind of royal and presidential way, I think I should take accountability for all mistakes made by the club. But uh, if if you are the cider county and you run out of cider, uh, well, when I you're think it was cider, only the, that's only the cider paid. festival cider, the kind of the um, the stuff they brought in. You could still get a Thatcher's, uh, a Hayes, or a or a Gold on draft, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised it did because it was a it was a packed day and uh, it was fairly hot as well. It was a Sussex game. Ali Orr scored so many runs, you had to drown your sorrows. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like Ali Orr got a double hundred. So, uh, Pete, you're going for uh, the club running out of cider on the cider festival day. Uh, any uh, any honourable mentions uh, for anything else? Uh, n no, I don't want to steal anyone else's thunder. Let's see um, what others come up with. Fair dues, uh, Dan. Who have you gone for? Or what have I've you gone, gone for? for? I've gone for Somerset advertising for an unpaid intern. Ooh. At, uh, <laughs> not the best. And it is, let's be fair, it is. 
but then, but yeah, then no, it sounds like you got a uh, you got a remake of Quadrophenia going on down your street there. Sounds like you got about 150 mo. Oh, you're okay now. Um, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, last year they also had done paid intern, and they, you know, they tried to repeat the trick, but this time they didn't get away with it, which was which was uh, which was fun. Why do you think they got uh, away with it? Why do you think it's different one year from the next then? Well, they would have got away with it if it weren't for you meddling kingdom. Yeah, dang. Well, no one emailed them last campaign. year about it. So, but this year, someone emailed them about it, put the email on Twitter, and it went a bit crazy. So they were pressured into uh, changing, thankfully. Happy days. Uh, so, have you got any others that aren't in a sort of a, a roundabout way quite self-congratulatory? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, I wasn't being self-congratulatory at all. I was literally someone's advertising for an unpaid intern. Stopping down. Um, someone else I mentioned it, but also I did think of Banton in the Blast semi-final. Yeah, he didn't side his baton properly, did he? That was uh, yeah, a bit of a fail. Okay, so you're going for the uh, for the unpaid intern. Gibbo, yeah. you've probably watched more of uh, Somerset Live than uh, any living human being this season, so you <clears throat> you should have a good one for us. Well, I would, I'd give it to Sam Hain, <laughs> if you're allowed to. Okay. Who, um, when Warwickshire were trying to um, yes. pass out time, they came back, back in April, and Lewis Gregory was bowling to him, and uh, Craig Overton was, state, was, was moved in the field yeah. to go and field at Leg Gully. And the very next ball, Sam Hain turned the ball straight into straight into Overton's hands at, at Leg Gully. That, I just thought that was, you know, it was slightly thoughtless. But but if you want a Somerset player doing something very similar, this was against Kent in the second innings when George Bartlett was was batting, and they posted a short mid wicket with um, uh, Matt Quinn bowling from from the from the top end. And Bartlett, very first ball, turned it straight to short mid-wicket. I oh, just, you know, if that was, that was, I like George Bartlett and he uh, and he scored a beautiful 100 up at Edgbaston, but that was definitely a case of brain fade. Good stuff. Um, let's put up Ben's uh, email here. Um, ben has gone for something that happened at 2.40pm on May the 6th, 2022 from a Twitter account. Uh, called at Ant Gib. Um, I'm not exactly sure who that might be, but it says not exactly Barbara Zam or Devon Conway would struggle to get into a first choice Somerset CCT 20 team. So that's Ben's nomination for um, for brain fade of the year. Um, what have I got? Um, getting bowled out in a session against Hampshire. That was. Uh, 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 pretty awful. Uh, runouts of Steve Davis against Warwickshire. Tom Abel's pair of runouts uh, against Surrey and North Ants. Um, but my the, run out, the Abel runout against Northants was up there in my top three as well. It was com- mm. completely un- un- unnecessary. Mm. I don't know what he was thinking of. Um, but mine, I'm going to go for. I'm going to. I can give it to him now because he's uh, he's no longer a Yorkshire player. I'm going to give it to Tom Cola Cadmore for attempting to relegate his new employers by scoring a hundred <laughs> against us in the championship uh, back in the summer. Uh, which leaves you, Harry Everett, I think, with a casting vote. Well, I was going to mention one that Dan said, one that Anthony said, and then potentially another one. I've been thinking about this a lot today, and you've got to mention Bartlett, who looks really good and then gets himself out for a pretty 30. The amount of times he's chipped it to the fielder, just he's looking really good, and we're picking him up and saying, yes, he should play for Somerset every game, and then he gets out. Steve Davies wafts. I mean, how many times has he gone for a cover drive that sadly maybe his eyes aren't up to anymore and he's edged behind and kept doing it again and again the over one I remember being particularly bad um, what was Dan's one that I agreed with uh, the unpaid intern Tom Banton no the oh. the bat, bat slide in yeah, the Tom Banton semi-final that's that's as, yeah that's the definition of brain fade and I think he'd admit that or the other one with Tom Banton is <laughs> coming on commentary with me and having not this chatted to the club having not confirmed it with hurry or care or anyone and I don't think I quite pushed well you can watch the clips back um, announcing that he was staying at Somerset the unintentional reveal I think I'd have to give that as a slight break the sorry Ben moment so you go for hashtag sorry Ben so we've got a six way tie Tom Cole Camel scoring 100 in trying to relegate his future employers Dan going for the unpaid intern Gibbo going for uh, for Bartlett falling into the trap of a short mid wicket against Kent Peter, you've gone for the club running out of cider at the Cider Festival. Harry's gone for hashtag sorry Ben. 
And Ben has gone for uh, not exactly Barbara Zamb or Devon Conway would struggle to get into a first choice Somerset CCC T20 team. What are we going to do then? Roll the dice. I mean, Anthony's funny tweet. I think think Ben's what if. (laughs) Anthony's tweet about Riley, isn't it? I'd I'd quite happily go with with Peter's running outsider. Running outsider. There we go. Going back to that, though, I'm sure I went down after the game to the Stragglers Coffee House and drank a load of leftover cider. So do they run out of a particular cider? I, to be fair, I, I heard about it second-hand from somebody who'd been drinking a lot of cider that was with that afternoon. I so could have it sworn... May have been an, it may have been an urban myth that I just... Uh, I went down and drank some of the, you know, those wine boxes of warm cider. I'm sure I went down and drank it, a few. Was it anything good, though? The nicest ones are gone, but there's yeah. still a few West Country mm. options. Oh, see. Sorry, I shouldn't have thrown that see, in last minute. <laughs> all the important ones, the ones about actual cricket, we just breeze through. And then Brain the fades the funny ones, we're t- we, we, We've got to be spending hours and hours on these. Oh, um, can it not be a six-way tie? Can you not just leave it? I don't think so. I tell you what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change if my. There's a, if, if there's, if there's a tie, surely we should leave the award with the person who holds it at the moment. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were gonna say we should leave it to the the president of the club to decide. But I, I'm gonna change one. I'm changing mine to hashtag sorry Ben, just because it was such a, uh, a kind of an earth-shattering kind of moment that sort of shockwaves went out around social media and the club. So. Um, winning now by two to one to one to one is uh, Tom Banton uh, for his uh, interview with Harry Everett on uh, on the live stream where he uh, inadvertently uh, spat out details about his contract situation that were not for public consumption and was swiftly reprimanded <laughs> by Mr Warren via the uh, <laughs> down the headphones so uh, Tom Banton for hashtag sorry Ben is the winner of the brain fade of the year now on to uh, on to slightly better things. We'll do the sparkling cider moment of the year. And Peter, who have you gone for for that one? Um, well, the, the, there's a moment that uh, that I mentioned uh, on a previous podcast, which is not really sparkling at all, but um, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and it was the um, moment in the blast match at the Oval when for the first time in the game it looked like we were going to win when suddenly Surrey needed four off the last ball and um, uh, Conor McCurr came in and hit it for four and we'd lost but the the team at at one kind of collapsed to their to their knees and showed real kind of despair and you know commitment and and it was a moment when we'd had a lot of uh down points kind of uh and i just felt a huge kind of sense of confidence and pride in the team that they had battled right to the end in a game they didn't necessarily um deserve to win and even though they didn't the attitude looked absolutely right so as a supporter even though we'd lost that was a uh a, sh- a sort of champagne moment um, for me, um, but it's difficult to argue against the moment which won at the um, Somerset Awards um, Roloff's extraordinary innings at, at Gloucester. So um, I think I'm voting for that again. again. I had that last ball. Again. I had that last ball against Surrey as one of my contenders for brain fade. Because <laughs> Peter, Peter Siddle was, he was going Boston. for the Yorker, he ended up bowling a half volley and was smashed through, through the covers. Yeah. But it was a fantastic over, apart from that last ball. But um, yeah, I think we've already. I, I, I've my. I think the the catch that um, Matt Renshaw took to get rid of Ryan Royal Patel. London. In the Royal London yeah. at the Oval, that was absolutely spectacular. I can mm. I can see it in my mind's eye mm. now. That was absolutely fantastic. But I think my um, champagne moment would be the when Craig Overton took the catch to get rid of Jack White. It was a bloody good catch mm-hmm. down at second slip off the bowling of Tom Abel to secure <laughs> our first division future, and Tom Abel leaping into the air in in delight at. at polishing off North Hanson. That was just a fantastic moment. It was a great catch, good piece of bowling, and so important in the context of the whole season. Yep. Yeah, hard to disagree with that. Um, Harry? 
I've got your, a few shortlist. Yeah, I've got three options. This one, and this is probably the one I had most ideas for. And um, the Derbyshire quarterfinal, I guess, just for in front of the Sky TV. And I actually had a because I was down at Sidmouth playing a Devon League game, quite an important game. <laughs> we got absolutely battered, and we lost. I wasn't going to be able to come because it was. I was fuming. It was a Saturday night. There were four options, weren't there? Saturday night quarterfinal. I wasn't happy. It was on a day when people were playing club cricket. Was it seven o'clock start? Um, yeah. And I was struggling to get there in time. Unfortunately, we got battered. And I didn't realise, in hindsight, Ben Warren had tweeted out, if anyone gets a five for in Devon or Somerset Club Cricket, we'll give them a free ticket for the quarterfinal. And I edged behind, I think. I edged behind the Sidmouth lad to get his fifth wicket. Um, so I got him a free ticket for the quarterfinal. So as soon as the game finished, I didn't realise. I legged it up to the ground. He legged it up to the ground. And two hours later, I saw the bloke who got me out. <laughs> so this, you know, to get got into that amazing Derbyshire quarterfinal, Riley Rousseau, we know him whacking McKellen around. Um, McKinnon, sorry, the uh, Derbyshire spinner. Um, Leach's switch hit in the yes. county championship. That against Surrey, was it? Uh, Yorkshire? Yorkshire. Yorkshire, Jack Shook, yes, wasn't Yorkshire. It? Jack Shook was born, I think, the off spinner. Um, that was pretty phenomenal. My left field one, which is probably my top one, is not actually a Somerset game, but three members of the Somerset side, Abel, Smead, and Banton, absolutely obliterating South Africa's first team at Taunton. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, the way Smead and Banton smashed, was it, um, who was opening the bowling? Norkia, was it? Norkia and Geedy and all the South African bowlers. I just thought that's phenomenal. At Taunton and really, really embarrassing for South Africa to lose to England Lions and great to see Somerset players doing so well for them. And Lintop playing that game, of course, has got his Somerset roots. So is that is that your nomination then? Yeah, or? I'm going to go with yeah. that, I think. Okay. Dan, who's yours? Well, I love your shortlist as well. Yeah, my, my my top one. I love a world record, and um, so for me, it has to be the moment that Riley Russo hit McKeon for six to consign McKeon to the worst bowling figures in T20 <laughs> history. I mean, I know it's cruel, but you know, it's this kind of to be there for that for a world record like that was uh, pretty thrilling. It's the kind of thing that I love. You know, I I was frantically googling it, and um, I think with two balls left of McKeon's spell, I realised that he conceded 70 runs and the record was 81 so Russo had to hit the final two balls for six and and he did so that was very exciting for me um so that's my champagne moment um also another one I will mention has to be um against Warwickshire the final afternoon at Taunton just the 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 clapping from the crowd to and the first time the crowd did it we got a wicket um, that was just great fun. The whole afternoon was great fun. I think we we worked another on another occasion um, an hour or two later as well. Um, <coughs> so yeah, that whole afternoon was great fun. But I mean, if we're talking about the specific moment, I think that first time the crowd did the clapping and it worked immediately. I think it was Jack Brooks, wasn't it, to get the wicket? Um, that that's up there for me as well. So, you, but you'll go for Riley for smashing thirty four in that. Uh, Mc- uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, Ben uh, Ben Warren has gone for um, Ben Green hitting that six to break the T20 record against Derbyshire, <coughs> uh, which means I've got the casting vote again. Um, nothing on my shortlist hasn't been mentioned. I got yeah, Riley's thirty-four and over off uh, Matt McKeon and Curtly Jack White caught over and bowled able against North Ants to secure uh, Division One status uh, for next year and the uh, the clapping along clap along with Jack Brooks uh, against Warwickshire. Uh, with a cast of vote, I'm I'm going with you, Gibbo. I'm going for uh, Jack White caught over and bold able against North Ants to secure first uh, first division status for next year. If it had been a run out, or if it, had, <laughs> I, no disrespect to any any other players, but if it had been bold Davy or whatever like that, it, it probably wouldn't have had that that feeling. But the fact that it was Tom Abel, the bowler, and Craig Owen, the two talismans of our championship yeah. team combining to take that wicket that's sort of what what made it a special moment so that's why it's um I guess it's normally the other way around isn't it it's normally over to yeah. court April yeah exactly but that was that was that that for me was just a, a special moment um and I it was probably one of about a handful of balls that I managed to see on that day after herring it up the M5 just to try and catch the last uh, last few overs but uh, yeah so congratulations to uh, Tom Abel and Craig Overton uh being jointly awarded the sparkling cider moment of the year for um, caught over and bold able in the Northants game, the penultimate game of the season. Two awards left, then, uh, gentlemen. 
Uh, the first one we're going to do is the County Championship Performance of the Year. I'll start with Ben's. Uh, he's gone for Lewis Goldsworthy, 130, and I think it was 70-odd not out against Lancashire up at Southport. Uh, ben writes about that one. Uh, the obvious one would be Craig Oven against Essex, but we lost, so I'm going for Lewis Goldsworthy's two innings against Lancashire at Southport. Lose that game, and it would have been curtains for us in Division 1, I think. Felt like a big moment in his career. <laughs> Gibbo, your championship right. performance of the year and yeah. and shortlist. Yeah, it was a great it was a great performance, but the, you know the pitch at Southport was pretty flat. It, we should never, you know, we shouldn't have been in a position where there was any danger of lo losing that game. I mean, uh, Ben mentioned it. I thought Craig Overton against Essex was just immense. You know, was it thir thirteen wickets for uh, eighty-seven and yeah. away bowled in the second innings? And all right, you know, he, it, we came up just short. But it, it's one of the most heroic failures I have I have ever seen. I thought he he, he bowled out of his skin, and uh, so nearly um, carried us home to one of the most unlikely victories. And and he, you know, whenever he had the opportunity, when he was fully fit, Craig Overton, he made such a difference to the side uh, during the during the season. I just hope to goodness that we we get to see plenty of him next season. I'm a bit worried about the fact that he's going to be on an England fast bowling contract, which means that the ECB will be controlling how much work he does and so on. But he's he's such a great cricket. He, he leads the attack so well. And you know he had that he had a, an immense challenge on that Saturday morning, wasn't it, to uh, to try and bowl Essex out, and he came so so very close. So Craig Overton for his 13 wickets against Essex is my nomination for performance of the season. Thanks, give it, Harry. Yeah, Goldsworthy. I think those two you've just mentioned are, were big nominations for me. I think Goldsworthy was the time he batted, more importantly than the runs he scored, especially in the second innings to get the jaw to take the time out of the game. And yeah, Craig Overton reminded me of Liam Norwell in the last game, really. It was just a one-man show, just giving the ball far and just keep him going. However injured, you know, like Ben Stokes does in test matches sometimes, however Crook just keeps on going. But I was going to go able for his twin tons against North Ants to, mm -hmm. you know, he's had an amazing season, clearly player of the year in the championship. But the second innings, like they should have declared, really. But to score 100 at such a rate was ridiculous. Effortless stroke making, it made it look like he was playing against kids. And I mean, Sanderson's a serious championship bowler. Um, and Tom Taylor was really impressed. They had some decent bowlers, and he just creamed it all around the park. When Lamb and who's normally an aggressive player, was struggling to rotate the strike and score quickly, and Abel just creamed it to all parts. And obviously, his first innings 100 was massive, too. So I'm going to go Abel for his twin tons last game at home. Dan? Your shortlist and, and nomination? Yeah, I believe all were mentioned. Uh, I had Craig's 13 for 87, Abel's two centuries against North Ants, and goals of these um, runs at Southport. But my top one, I've gone for Craig's 13 for 87 against Essex. I mean, Gibbert said everything needs to be said, really. It was just a Herculean effort. He was trying everything. He was giving it absolutely everything. And it was a reminder after a difficult tour of the West Indies that, you know, he's still a top, top county bowler. Um, so yeah, nothing more to be said really. Happy days, uh, Peter. Who have you gone for? Yeah, nothing, nothing new to add. It's sort of toss up between Abel's twin centuries and uh, Craig's uh, performance against uh, Essex. Um, I, I, I think you know heroic failures in Somerset in the county championship go together like uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. So, so that that really speaks to me as the one that. Uh, that ought to uh, get the award and and also i think we there's a been a slight risk that we um take craig for for granted and uh, and anthony said it all but he's an extraordinary performer and he makes an incredible difference not just in his um personal performances when he plays but he seems to lift the whole team and um for his uh uh attitude and uh aggression to uh get get so close then uh i feel like he needs it from us a little more than tom abel does so uh uh that's why um i'm voting for craig overton good stuff so uh craig's already won it i i can't affect the uh voting with my decision which is why i'm going for roll off fandom over 574 <laughs> well i'm not it's on my it's on my shortlist um 
one in these that we haven't mentioned is Tom Abel's 150 against Surrey. Yeah. Third, is that third game of the season? Uh, PB, in it? Career best score. Yeah, yeah he had an absolute, he'd had yeah. a rotten first couple of games and he coming up against a serious Surrey bowling attack. Uh, I think he just changed his stance slightly. He was batting a little bit more open. Um, you know, we'd lost the first two games. He was really under a lot of pressure, and to deliver the goods in those circumstances, I thought was a, a really Herculean effort from from Tom. But um, yeah, um, yeah. But I can't look at that effort. You, you, I mean, thirty wickets for eighty-seven runs in a match is is heroic, and you know, it's it's not Craig's fault that that was in a losing cause. You know, it, another ten, twenty, whatever runs, we'd have, we'd have won that game. So. Uh, so yeah, so with a victory margin of, of four to one, congratulations, Craigo. Uh, Thirteen for eighty-seven against Essex. The innings figures for there were seven for fifty-seven and six for thirty, scooping the golden apple for county championship performance of the year. On to our last award, then the championship player of the year. That we all know who the the, the contenders are. Uh, Tom Abel, thousand and thirty nine runs at fifty one, five hundreds and four fifty. Also five wickets at forty six, and took the most catches of any outfielder with fourteen. Craig Overton, thirty six wickets at seventeen. George Bartlett, four hundred and fifty six runs at forty one, uh, one hundred and a couple of fifties. Matt Renshaw, six hundred and twenty runs at forty seven point six nine, couple of hundreds, one fifty, and also six wickets at twenty. <laughs> Uh, James Rue, why are you laughing, Harry? I've written all this down today. <laughs> no, I'm laughing at Renshaw's bowling figures. <laughs> oh, fair enough. He'll tell you they're much better than they were. <laughs> uh, James Rue, 337 championship runs at 37.44 uh, uh, to 18 catches as well. And Lewis Goldsworthy as well made 532 runs at 35.46. So, Dan, who out of those makes your shortlist and who is your winner? Over to you, Dan. You're on mute. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I have gone with Tom Abel. I think that's a fairly obvious pick. Um, average more than fifty. I think it's probably the first time he's averaged more than fifty in a county championship season. Five centuries. One of the leading run scorers in the country. He's done his England case good. Uh, I think he's getting closer than ever. He's you know captaining the Lions now. Um, so yeah, no doubt it's um, Tom Abel's my player of the year. He was vital for us, you know, with the bat, as always, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit like, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Triscothic. Whenever Triscothic got out, there was sort of a disappointment. There was like, yeah. oh, now it's going to be difficult. Yeah, unless he'd already scored all the runs. You know, if Trez got out for a low score, it was like, ah, now this is going to be difficult. It's similar to with Abel now. If he scores runs, all is right in the world. But if he gets out early, um, you know, there's a bit of worry, isn't there? Um, he's got that, that much influence over the side. Um, so yeah, Tom Abel was my championship player of the year. Agreed, Harry. Yeah, I yeah, it's a bit obvious. I wanted to go Tom Abel when I was predicting at the start of the season WPA predictions league. I wanted to say Tom Abel for top run scorer, but I thought he'd get an England call up, so he wouldn't play very much. So I went for Goldsworthy. But yeah, as you say, honourable mentions for Goldsworthy. I wish he'd bowled a bit more. Craig Overton obviously didn't play as many games as he would have if he'd played every game. He'd have probably got a stupid number of wickets. Um, and yeah, George Bartlett surprisingly good average. Come good at the end of the season, even with Banton's hundred at Chelmsford. Banton took housemate spot but um, yeah Tom Abel and he should have bowled more that hamstring injury he got he was reluctant to bowl in September I wish he'd bowled a little bit earlier in September especially when all the other bowlers were crooked but um, yeah he just leads by example doesn't he local lad so much passion I loved it when he came back for the Royal London Cup got injured came back and he was there watching loving carrying the drinks helping the youngsters through and he's just batted superbly he's an absolute joy to watch when he's scoring runs technically superb and perfect and I just hope he's not well, I don't know. We want him to go to England, yes, but it'll be a big loss for some set when he goes. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Happy days, Gibbo. No, no Tom Abel. No, I mean I'd, I'd just say a word about his captaincy because he, you know, he almost deserves it for his captaincy. He does lead the side so well by by example. You know, he he lifts them tactically. Maybe he's not quite the the most um, imaginative. You know, it does tend to be a bit captaincy by numbers. I think it's all worked out beforehand with with Jason Kerr and and, and Andy Harry. But he's uh, oh, he's just he's such a lovely lad as well. You know, and and it was great to see him really show what he's capable of this this season. You know, he's the first half of last season. 
he had a terrific time. He was averaging, I think, 63 and a half mm-hmm. off halfway through the season after the Hampshire match at Taunton. Then he fell away towards the end of the season. And he, it started badly this season. And then that 150 against Surrey was a superb knock. And, uh, yeah, it's, he, he's, uh, his batting, I think, has, has gone up, I wouldn't say a complete level, but probably half half a level. I think there's, there's still more to come. Uh, from Tom Tom Abel, but uh, head and shoulders above the rest as County Championship Cricketer of the Year. Pete, is it going to be a clean sweep? Yes, clean sweep. I mean, when you think back, Anthony, to those interviews that you were required to do with him uh, in September last year and uh, how miserable he looked and felt and how important all this is to him to see him come good personally uh, uh, has been wonderful uh, this year. And so, yeah, if we hadn't given um, Craig Overton one and a half, I think we've given him one and a half apples already. So that should be enough to keep him happy for a little bit longer. Uh, So uh, I'm all in on Tom Abel for this one. Great stuff. Um, One of my favourite Tom Abel moments this year wasn't on the pitch. It was off the pitch with you, Gibber, when we just got absolutely slaughtered by Hampshire, bowled out in a session, and just how pissed off and gutted and angry he looked mm. at, at that performance. Sometimes when you know when the players go and do the post-match, they'll give it their all, oh, yeah, we go again, bad day at the office, blah, blah, blah. Nobody, if, I tell you, if Tom Abel wasn't pissed off, angry and gutted, he should, he's in the wrong game because he could win an Oscar if, if that was acting. He was... And that's what you want to see as a fan. I think, you know, taking your point, okay, he's, he's maybe not a, a you know, a, a, a tactical wizard. I mean, he's good enough. He's, you know, and he's certainly got experienced players around him to, to help uh, sort of be with him when he's on the field. But he's got the passion. And, um, yeah, just anything other than how he was um, coming to talk after that Hampshire game would have, you know, just not been good enough but you know he knows he probably he loves Somerset just as much as every single fan in the ground as much as any anybody watching on the stream or listening to the radio you know he bleeds maroon and uh, bleeds maroon and black and uh, that's why he's our captain and, and that's why we love him so congratulations uh, to Tom Abel county championship player of the season retaining his golden apple from 2021 and I would suspect he's odds on to uh, retain it in 2022 unless he is called up uh, to play for England. That concludes the awards. Then one other bit of news I forgot to relay. If you haven't, uh, you haven't realised Tom Lamanby has had surgery uh, today. I presume that would have been on his ankle, yeah, uh, which has been giving him a bit of, a bit of jip all season. So hopefully, uh, Gibb will be a happy bunny in his wherever he's uh, commentating from next uh, next season, and uh, Tom Lamanby will be uh, bowling more than his fair share of overs. Let's hope so. Let's hope so indeed. Um, and Ben Green's going out to play Sydney Grey cricket with Don Bess out in Australia in the seminars. Yeah, I saw it's it's in he's, doing a, he's going to South Africa with the Devon under 15s. Yeah, yeah and go then on, off then. to South Africa uh, in the winter. If anybody knows what club James Rue's playing for in Australia as well, uh, can they just tweet us? Because I'd like to uh, just like to keep an eye on how uh, how Ruby's getting on. Do you know, Harry? I think it was Sydney. I can't remember the club. I think he's playing in the Sydney competition as well. All oh, right, I'm first, but I don't know. Shouldn't the club. be too difficult to uh, to find out. Um, and I guess that draws to an end our weekly get-togethers for the season, fellas. I think we chatted enough about how things went on. We all broadly agreed with Tom Abel when he said it was an indifferent season. But uh, looking forward to 2023 immensely, uh, and all the uh, cricket that's going on over the winter. Gibbo, who are you? Uh, have you been? Um, Signed up by the Abu Dhabi T10 League yet? We've, we've campaigned enough. We want to get you out there. We the only reason I watched it was because I had COVID and there was no other blooming cricket on. Yeah, <laughs> me thinks the lady doth protest too much. That was when Jamie Owen got it to deep cover and mate, he was changing his shirt and he let it go for four. Do you remember that? Absolutely shocker. Backwards cat bloke was changing his shirt while the ball was being bowled. Oh, we love the Abu Dhabi T10. <laughs> Can we can we arrange for that to be played in England instead of the hundred? Because I I would genuinely accept the reduction in uh, yeah. in. Uh, oh, um, should we quickly chat about what's coming out with the HPR? No, no. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. 
Uh, but uh, briefly, is we're now, you're now going to not play some teams once. You're going to play them three times. We're going to play 14 games out of a division of six or something like that, or 12 games out of a division of six. I wouldn't I think, waste time commenting on speculation. Agreed. <laughs> I think they're going to realise, if these proposals are serious, the latest stuff that came out in that Telegraph article, I, I think they're going to quickly realise that they don't really make any sense. Like, <laughs> I love the fact that Dan started talking about the HBR and Gibbo was just let out the biggest yawn I've ever seen. <laughs> I'll tell you what, <laughs> should we, uh, we'll, we'll get together in a month when we got some more... Uh, um, yeah. Some more information about the HPR that uh, probably I could see you were about to come off your long run. Then Dan, sorry to cut you off in your. Well, no, 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 it's fine. I could, I could have gone on, but no, I think we're all bored. Should I just do a bit recording and uh, and I'll come back in about forty five <laughs> minutes and uh, and knock it off. Uh, I have a lot. I have a lot I could say. This and it, I, at the end, I will conclude that there's not really any solution. Not that I can think of, anyway. Oh, there's a good um, solution. There's a lovely, easy solution. Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. realistic. <laughs> I mean. All right, realistic solution. Remember, it is the members forum on Thursday, so that oh yes, work. that was another thing. Yeah, there's uh, yeah. Uh, if you're a member, get to uh, have a look at your emails. There's a link for a members forum there, uh, where you get the quiz. Uh, Gordon Hollins et al. about all the uh, Somerset goings on with the uh, the HPR. I think there was a Christmas quiz as well that I saw in an email. But uh, if you're a member, you'd have probably got those emails. So. Um, yeah, I'll probably uh, see uh, some familiar faces on that forum and. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the cliche now. You all ready? Winter well. <laughs> uh, Winter well. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks uh, to you all for listening uh, throughout the season. Hope we've given you some entertainment, and I'm sure we'll think of something to catch up uh, and chat about in about a month or so. But uh, yeah, for uh, Dan, uh, Peter, Gibbo, Harry, and uh, Ben, who is uh, coming back from Norway quite soon. Um, thanks very much for listening, and uh, yeah. Winter well.